Hey guys, it's Granger Smith. This is the Granger Smith Podcast, Episode 4. I wanted to change pace a little bit today. I wanted to give you a different perspective, something that I'm deathly afraid of on the road. What could that be? Here it is on Episode 4. Today brings me to the Missouri State Fair. We're in Sedalia, Missouri. Beautiful, warm, blue sky day here in Missouri. This fair has been around since 1901. And so it's got a lot of tradition. It's got a huge grandstand, old school fair. Should be a really good day and a really good concert. Chris Lane is playing the show with us tonight. Love Chris Lane and his band and crew. We get along really well. And so that just about sets the scene. Here I am, the back of my bus, Wildflower, looking out the window, doing another podcast. And and this one is going to be interesting, a fun one. This is my greatest fear on the road. It's it's something I'll, I'll do whatever I can to avoid it. It is the one thing that could completely shut me down. It's the one thing that stops me from playing a show. It's happened to me a few times. I'll tell those stories. It's getting injured on episode four. I want to give a shout out to State Fair, Community College, Roadrunners. It's a baseball team. Really good guys. I met them this morning at the gym. We got a workout together. There's about uh, four, five, six of us that work out every single day, religiously. It's very important to me. Eating right on the road, staying in shape. Uh, These are all things that are very important to me because they affect my ability to be on my A game, to work my best on stage, uh, to have the best brain power to write songs during the day. I write songs only on tour, on the road. And I can't waste any of those days because I'm too tired or too sore or sick or have strep throat or allergies. I need to do everything I can to avoid all those problems. I can't, I can't afford to not be at my best every day, right? I, I only have a decade left max of touring, I hope, if I'm lucky. And I need, to, I need to use those 10 years to the very best of my ability. Not I was sick most of my music career or I struggled with allergies every day or I was constantly sore. So how could I prevent those things from happening? Well, it's... It's having some kind of regimen, some kind of routine on the road. And it's definitely not sleeping. I don't get much of that. I get five or six hours. And out of those five or six hours, I'm tossing and turning, bouncing down the interstate, going 80 miles an hour. So why am I so fearful of these things? Why am I so mindful of these things? Because I've been on the downside of it. Yes, many times. Or at least a handful of times. So let me talk about that. We just finished sound check here at the Missouri State Fair, and the stage is positioned facing the grandstand, and the grandstand is for a dirt track. So the stage is right behind the track, and that's where the people stand on the track. We play a lot of dirt track shows that are dog racing, horse racing, car racing as today, but it's fun. Can you imagine a better place for country music than a hundred-year-old fair with a band playing over a dirt track into the grandstands? That's country. Country music has definitely gotten the best of me a few times, and that's when I've gotten hurt on the stage. That sounds crazy, but 
uh, it's starting to add up for me. And these stories are worth telling. Um, they were horrible, all of them at the time, but they make really good podcast material. The first time this happened was in 2013, College Station, Texas, a venue called Hurricane Harry's. Let me set the scene for you. Anytime we go back to play College Station, Texas, it's like a hometown show for me, so I feel like i got to be at my best. Better than my best. I feel like I have to convince all these people, look how far I've come. You're not going to believe the kind of show I could do now. So I'm over the top. Super dynamic, over-engaging. I want to put on the best show I can. One of the reasons I remember that night is because that was the first time I met Johnny Manziel. Remember him? For the redshirt freshman, Johnny Manziel. Manziel trying to spit out of traffic there. Nearly caught from behind. Makes the throw for another highlight kind of touchdown. So he's standing side stage watching the show uh, along with several other of the football players. And as if I needed any more reason to go all out, there's that. So it's a great turnout. The crowd is rocking. At the very end of the show... I come out as Earl Dibbles Jr. If you haven't seen that or don't know about that, that's another episode, another podcast for another time. But it's essentially the encore of the show. I come out, overalls on, it's the ultra redneck Earl Dibbles Jr. He plays the song. At the very end, I feel like I need to get down off the stage and give some high fives, shake some hands. Yeah, I mean, the people are crazy, and I, I want to I get down amongst them and feel that energy. So I jump off the stage. I start on the right. I work, I work down left. I'm slapping hands, you know, fist bumping, feeling like a rock star. And when I get to the end, I need to make a left turn, and there's some stairs there right by our monitor console. I need to go up those stairs and go back and finish the last little piece of the song. So when I get to the stairs... I give my last little fist bump on the right, and I take a left, and I'm sprinting up these stairs. And without looking, I don't notice that there is a speaker hanging low, a giant speaker. It's one of the main speakers of the PA. All I really know after that is I hit that speaker right dead center of my forehead. And it felt like I got hit by a truck, which is probably similar impact. But... You know, you get that. You know, when you, you hit your head so hard and you, you taste metallic in your mouth? So, I, you know, I get that weird metallic taste. And of course, I'm seeing stars and dizzy and a little bit, a little bit lightheaded. But all that being said, I've got a show to play. The crowd's still amped up. So I shake it off. I'm not one to get embarrassed that easy. So I go back like it's, you know, no big deal. But as I, as I run to the center of the stage and turn to face the crowd, instead of being all jazzed up and excited like they have been, now there's a different look amongst the crowd, and it's this look of horror. There's wide eyes, jaws dropped, and I'm like, man, what is going on? What happened to change the crowd so drastically? And that's when I started feeling drips down, down the tip of my nose, down off my mouth, off my chin, and it's blood. I'm just gushing blood. My face is completely covered in blood. <laughs> and I, I had ripped a gash in my forehead. I hit the speaker right on the edge of it, 
on the corner, the, the sharp edge of it. And it just blunt trauma split open the skin on the, on the front of my forehead. And, you know, your forehead bleeds like crazy when you cut it. So it, it was just uncontrollable blood. I look over to the right and there's Johnny Menzel and my brother and my sound engineer. And all of them are saying they're holding towels. You're right. And they're saying, come on get off the stage quit playing so i you know put my hand in the air do a little bow made sure that i got a picture of that which i do i i love the picture that i got from that moment uh, and then i ran off the stage i remember asking some of the players i said you guys are football players i'm sure you deal with this all the time and they were like not like that man your head is ripped open i mean it was about a four inch wide and about half an inch uh, width of just open flesh on my forehead what's crazy is there there happened to be an emt in the crowd and he had the foresight to make it backstage and get into the green room where i was and he had he had a little kit with him, and he had some butterfly bandages, which was exactly what I needed because a normal Band-Aid wouldn't hold that skin together. So we cleaned it up, put some alcohol on it, and then he used those butterfly bandages on the top and the bottom to hold it down. And I hate going to the emergency room, mostly because it's so expensive, you know, for no reason. They're just going to do a little work on you, give you a few pain pills, and then charge you four thousand dollars, whatever they do. But everyone said, "Man, you got to you got to go get stitches." So uh, I I kept those bandages on. I went back down to the merchandise table, um, did my meet and greet, autographs, um, met the people that wanted to hang out that night. Um, so after about an hour, my brother and I headed to the emergency room and. They put in eight stitches. The best part of the story is I didn't miss a show. I didn't even miss that show. I just had to leave a little bit earlier than I wanted to. And it gives a story to tell. And it was a really cool picture that I have on my phone. It probably scared a few people in the crowd. And ultimately, I learned a good lesson. And to this day, when I'm running on the stage, especially upstairs, I always look up and make sure there's no speakers hanging at forehead level. You know I do this podcast whether I had a sponsor or not. And maybe one day I will, but right now I have an unofficial official sponsor, and that's Yee Energy. Now, the reason they're my sponsor is because it's my drink. Me and my brothers, Parker and Tyler, created this drink about two years ago, and I love it. We went through every recipe. We, we did all the taste testing to make it exactly like we wanted it. Um, we did all the design, all the graphics to make a drink that really represented us and our fans. Now, right now, we're in a lot of small businesses around the country. A lot of them are gun stores, outdoor shops, sporting goods stores, and a lot of them are family-run small businesses, which really helps support our American-made mentality, which you know we're all about that. So if somebody's selling Yee Yee Energy in your town, go help them out. Go help us out. Go to yeeyeeenergy.com for more details. Back here at the Missouri State Fair, I just talked to Chris Lane, who's playing the show with us tonight. And I'm going to bring him on stage later, and guess what song we just talked about singing together? 
Oh, an old 90s classic by good old Sammy Kershaw. She don't know she's beautiful. Never cross her She mind. don't know she's beautiful. No, she's not that She kind. don't know she's beautiful. Though time and time I've told her so. So after the stitches in College Station, Texas injury, it took me less than a year before I was hurt again. This time was a lot worse. This time I actually had to miss some shows. Here's what happened. September 5th, 2013. I remember that day partly because it was the day after my birthday and partly because it was one of the stupidest things I've done in my music career. We were in Illinois on tour and we were parked before a show. My sound guy, Blake, was having girl problems at the time. And he was just in a, he was in a bad mood. He was shuffling around. He was mumbling to himself. And that kind of thing is contagious. So I'm trying to lighten the mood. And I say, hey, Blake, if you don't get in a better mood quick, then I'm going to tie you up with tape and throw you in the trailer so no one has to deal with you. So he mumbles a few things under his breath. And I'm trying to be funny. And I, so I, I storm off the bus. I go to the trailer. I get a big roll of tape. Start stringing it out and come back on the bus. And I'm, you know, unwrapping this roll of tape. And, and Blake is mad. He's mad at me. And I'm laughing. And, I, and everyone else is there, the rest of the band. And so I'm, you know, trying to get a few giggles, trying to get a few laughs. And I pull out this tape and I'm, I'm going for him. And I'm, I'm going to start wrapping him up. And he slaps my hands down, jumps on my back. Now, this dude's from East Texas, right? He's pretty scrappy. He jumps on my back and immediately puts me in a chokehold. Well, this goes from, this is really funny, to, oh shit, I can, I'm not going to let this guy choke me out. Because he's, he's trying to choke me out. He wants me to pass out on the floor of the bus. And I'm thinking, hell no. He's not going to make me pass out in embarrassment in front of my band. So I'm fighting back, and I'm, I'm all coiled up. And so he has to squeeze tighter and tighter until finally I get him off of me and we go face to face, right? But when we go face to face at that time, I realized something really wrong happened to my throat. The way that he, he didn't have me in a headlock in, in his elbow, in his bicep, he had it right on his forearm. And he looked at me and he said, you out of breath? And I said, no, but... When I said no, it came out, no. I had no voice. And I was trying to play it off, but I knew something was really wrong with my throat. And as the day goes on, my neck is swelling on the inside. I could feel it. And I could still moderately talk, and I could still sing in lower tones, but I had no upper register at all. So I go ahead and play the show. And I avoided any kind of high choruses. I kind of just sang the lower parts of every song and got through it. And I went to sleep that night. The bus fires up. We roll to Chicago, Illinois. I wake up in Chicago. Normal day. Parked outside of the venue. About 7 a.m. Open my eyes. And I talk. And nothing comes out. I have zero voice. Nothing. A little bit of gravel, a little bit of whisper, but nothing audible, no words are capable of coming out of my mouth. And I've never experienced losing a voice before. I've never even had laryngitis. So I'm freaking out. 
I'm like Superman with kryptonite all over him. I can't fly. I have no power. The only thing I have on tour is my voice, and it's gone. I text my tour manager, Chris. I said, hey, we have a big problem. I don't have a voice. And he, he doesn't understand. Nobody could really understand that there's going to be no show tonight in Chicago. We've never played Chicago yet. And we're going to have to cancel. And they think, have some coffee. Relax. We have, what, eight hours before we need to play a show. It'll be back. And I'm thinking, somebody call a doctor. I can't talk. Made an appointment with a ear, nose, and throat doctor in Chicago. She sticks this camera down the back of my throat to check out my vocal cords. Come to find out I have a burst blood vessel on my vocal cord. This happened during the choking. So there's absolutely nothing I could do about it besides rest. And that's really tough on me because I'm the kind of guy that you know, give me some kind of rehab program, give me some kind of stretching exercise, give me a a new diet plan, and let me fix this. So hearing that there's absolutely nothing I could do but rest is the worst news for me. Because A, we need to call the venue and cancel the show tonight in Chicago with people that I've never even met before. And then we need to cancel tomorrow in Louisville. We need to cancel the next day in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Etc. Etc. There's two weeks of tours, and we're supposed to play every day. I have to go back to Texas and rest. This is the lowest moment of my career at the time. Keep in mind, I have I've never played any of these cities at the time, so these aren't fans that are, you know, that that we've grown the market for years and years, and they they love me and they're used to me. These are brand new fans that don't know anything about me. They're taking a chance by buying a ticket. A lot of these shows were either sold out or almost sold out. And so we got to refund all these tickets. And I have to rebuild trust with these people. This is driving me crazy. It's really hard on me. I needed to wait about six weeks for the vocal cords to completely heal. I took a chance. I, I wanted it to be well in six days. Um... That's me, and, and I'm, I was being realistic, too. I, I was doing a lot of research. I, was, I revisited a doctor back in Texas, um, and I needed, to, I needed to be back up and running in six days because I needed to play a show in Texas. So after a few days, I, I started doing these vocal exercises. I, I learned a lot about uh, warming up the vocals. Um, I did play that show in Texas, just sang kind of lower register stuff. I never, never pushed anything. I limited my talking during the day. And you know what? What started as the lowest moment of my musical career ended up being something that I learned a lot from. I I still remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, I still do everything I can to avoid um, injuries and and not having my voice warmed up. Then you ask, well, what happened to Blake? Blake is actually still with me. And I don't blame him at all because... I went and got tape, and I was going to tape him up and hang him up in the trailer. I mean, people are like, how did you let an employee of yours do that to you? I'm a brother. I have two brothers. 
I definitely egged him on. And so it's my fault. I take the blame for it. I learned a lot from it. But unfortunately, that wasn't the worst injury yet, and that wasn't the last time I had to cancel shows. I'll tell you about that. I am the midnight. I'm the lonely heart. Home of the surgeon souls. I am the whiskey sip you drink instead of going home. I'm when the lovers rock. I'm when the dreamers play. I am a little bit of hope when you need another day. It's been a interesting day in Missouri so far. We had a production meeting with the band and crew, and something that never happens happened. My seven-year veteran monitor engineer, Frank, uh, resigned today. I know, it's crazy. I'm still kind of soaking it in, but, you know, the road... Being on tour, I don't want to compare it to deployed soldiers because it's, we're much less noble of a cause than that. But essentially, we're, we're gone so much from a regular life that sometimes you lose who you are. And Frank kind of poured out his heart. He stood up. And, and he has, you know, I love Frank. I've known him for a long time. I consider him a huge friend. And he has a lot of... Character to be able to stand up in front of all of us and say, guys, this job isn't for me anymore. I need to be home. I need to find myself. I need to find what makes me happy again. Because the road, man, it's a, it's a bitch. It could, it could, the monotony could kill you if you're not careful. It's a evil sorcery. We're, we're very, very blessed to do what we do. But if you get sucked into that monotony, it's quicksand. To put it in perspective right now, recording this podcast is mid-August. The buses have not been home since March. That's six months gone. And uh, I care. I told Frank I care more about him being happy than I care about him being my monitor engineer. And I really, really want him to be my monitor engineer, if that makes sense. Anyway. That's our life. And uh, we'll move on, and Frank will move on, and um, we will remain friends. Frank has been there for me a lot in every show. And uh, he was a part of this next story, actually. He was a part of Waco, Texas, 2015. And I completely dislocated my shoulder on stage. So let me set the stage. It's uh, the heart of Texas Fair, Waco, Texas, and it's the very end of the show, exactly like the scenario of uh, the the forehead stitches in College Station. I'm out slapping hands and and uh, high five and fist bumping, doing some autographs to the front row. There's a group of really crazy fans over to me on my stage left, and I'm trying to get to them, and this guy has this hat that he wants me to autograph. He's holding a Sharpie pen and a hat. And I I remember this guy because I've been watching him for an hour and a half. He's a great fan. I need to get to him. He's just a little bit out of arm's reach. And so I step out onto this speaker 
and I reach for him, and as I'm reaching, the speaker starts wobbling. And I think, uh-oh, this is going to tumble, and I'm going to drop this whole speaker into the crowd, and I'm going with it. So instinctively, I, I reach back with my left hand, and I grab the stage truss, and the speaker goes forward. I grip the stage truss to support myself, and I stopped myself, but it ripped my shoulder out of socket. And the you know you know when you dislocate your shoulder and the entire ball comes out of the socket and it's just this horrible deformity on your shoulder and it hurts like hell. I don't think anybody noticed. I don't think the crowd noticed at all. And I turned to walk off the stage and there's Chris Lee, my tour manager, and he's like, "Hey, you know, great show." He has no idea. And I go, "Dude, my shoulder." And he looks over and he goes, "Whoa." I go, you got to help me pop it back in. So he starts, you know, he positions himself underneath my arm and he's jacking it up, you know, trying to, trying to lock that shoulder back in with no luck. So we go all the way to the bus. It's hurting like hell. So I pop some ibuprofen and start taking some whiskey shots one by one, anything to numb this pain. Chris, meanwhile, runs outside. There's always EMTs at our show. So he goes and he finds his EMTs and he goes, Hey guys, come here quick. We need to pop his shoulder back in socket. Because I know now the longer your shoulder stays out of socket, the longer recovery you're going to have. So you want to get it in quick. So he goes to the EMTs, and, and they're like, hey, he has to come to the ambulance, and we could fix it. And so Chris runs back on, you need to go to the ambulance to fix it. And I said, hell no, I'm not getting on that ambulance. What's that, like 3500 bucks? No way. I said, you got to tell him to come up here. He goes back down, Granger can't come. And they say, I'm sorry, legally, and I totally get it. You know, if they mess something up even worse, then I could sue them. And, you know, that's the world we live in. So it's not their fault. I get it. And so here I am on the bus, and I still have this dislocated shoulder. Meanwhile, the whole band is with me, and we're running out of whiskey. Now, I just went and referenced this because I have a, we have a little show that we've made, we make on the road called Yee Yee TV. And this is one of the episodes. We got all this on tape. This is all filmed. So I just, <laughs> I just went and watched it, and it's gross seeing that lumpy shoulder so what happened was my drummer's mother's boyfriend you following me he's a fireman and he comes on the bus and he goes man i know exactly how to do this so he kind of positions himself puts his arm under mine and starts putting pressure upward it doesn't work it doesn't work he says man i i know this is this is how to do it i've done it before meanwhile i'll take another shot of whiskey does it one more time and then pop there it goes back into the socket <laughs> it's funny now but you know maybe the whiskey is what uh, loosened up the ligaments and finally made it happen but that was a crazy day no ambulance ride no hospital and guess what i played the next day so i did not have to cancel a single show but that was coming that's actually this next story this next story is the worst injury i've ever had on stage i did have to cancel shows It's also super embarrassing, but here we go. Well, the sun has gone down in Missouri on kind of a strange day. Uh, It's not awkward with Frank. I've, I've talked to him many times. He's, this is the kind of guy that he is. He's going to work with us until 
we find a new guy, he's even going to train the new guy. So he's a good dude. He Frank was not at the show where this next injury happened. And if he was, he probably would have stopped it. Actually, I guarantee you he would have prevented it. The reason he wasn't there it was because it was an acoustic show in New Jersey. So it was me, Dusty, Todd, Chris, and a couple people from the record label, Brittany and John Loba. So I'd like to uh, defend us a little bit by saying that we don't set the stage on these kind of shows. We leave it to the local crew. So they put out the mic stands, the microphones, cables, monitors, all that kind of stuff. So on this particular show, the monitors, the wedges, were up at the very front of the stage, right on the edge. Now, we normally like to have those back a couple feet to get some cushion. Just so you know, that's how the stage is set. So here we are, playing the show, sold-out crowd, amazing crowd in New Jersey. On my left is Dusty playing a small drum kit. On my right, Todd playing acoustic guitar. Here I am in the middle, and guess what I'm singing? An Earl Dibbles song, which seems to be the curse of these kind of injuries. Now, what happens next is something I'll remember for a long, long time. Country music singer Granger Smith powered through a performance after falling from stage in New Jersey Friday, but was later hospitalized. A spokeswoman for Smith declared in a statement Smith shared on Twitter that he had fallen while performing at the Starlin Ballroom in Sayreville on Friday night. The country star said he took a pretty hard spill, but hopes to be out of the hospital soon to head home to his family in Texas. Shows this weekend in North Carolina and Texas were canceled. There's a lot of videos on YouTube because a lot of people had their phones up, so I found one of the fall, and it is painful to watch. I, I, I watched it one time when it happened. I watched it in the hospital on my phone, but I have not seen a video until now when I had to download it for this podcast. I put my foot up on a monitor that was on the edge of the stage, and as I shifted my weight forward a little bit, the monitor flipped off. I went with it fell on top of the barricade, the metal barricade, completely separated two ribs in my back and punctured a lung. Here's the video. So I'm down now, but I'm about to get back up and you'll hear the cheers for that. The security guy comes running at me to help, and I remember thinking, well, the show can't end like this. I gotta get up, I gotta finish the show. So I stand up. I could tell something's really wrong, I could feel the crunching in my chest. The only thing I could say was, it must have been a city boy that put that up there. Make a joke out of an awkward situation. I think I got that from my dad. And notice the band never stops playing. I always told the guys, if something bad happens, never, ever stop playing. But at this point, I'm just trying to get my breath. That's why I'm not saying or singing anything. Enough of that video. So I finish that song, and then I sing Backroad Song. I say sing, but I, I mainly had the crowd sing it for me because I could not catch my breath. I'd never punctured a lung before until then, but I definitely knew that's what happened because I could feel the crunching of the broken ribs and, and I could feel that I just had, I had no lung capacity. 
Once again, Chris, my tour manager, is there, and he's on the side of the stage, and he looks at me, and he mouths, are you okay? And I mouth back, no. <laughs> but I got to keep playing. I got to finish Backroad Song. Sold out crowd. They got to hear it. So I finish the song. I go straight for Chris, straight down the stairs. And I said, dude, I broke ribs, and something is wrong with my lungs. He says, okay, let's go to the hospital. So luckily, I wanted to stop by the bus real quick and change clothes, put on some sweatpants, some tennis shoes, something comfortable, get off my jeans, my boots. That was a really good decision that would pay off later. But we, we get, in the, they get in the car. We head to the emergency room. Some fans, some sweetheart fans from New Jersey follow us there to the emergency room. And so when I get out and I'm kind of walking and waddling, uh, they're like, get well, Granger. <laughs> so fans in New Jersey are amazing. I get into the emergency room. By this, by this time, I wasn't taking whiskey shots like I did with the shoulder. So by this time, the pain is crazy. Uh, it's the worst pain I've ever had, breaking these ribs. So... I'm about to throw up. Like, I'm, I'm getting nauseated. So they gave me some medicine. That's the first thing I had. And then they gave me some morphine, which, is, which was uh, a lifesaver at the time. I could feel that morphine starting at my toes and moving up to my face and instantly felt numb and better. So they go. They do the x-rays. Hours are going by. You know how emergency rooms are. Hours are going by as we're waiting, 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 waiting. Finally... I think about three hours have gone by. It's about two o'clock in the morning. The doctor comes back and says, we got the x-rays back. Um, You did break two ribs in your back, but you have a pneumothorax, a hole in your lungs, and there's air escaping into your chest cavity. So we have to call the ambulance, and we have to transport you to the trauma hospital because if if it's too bad, you know, they have to put the tube in to relieve the pressure so that your chest cavity doesn't get too much air. So I'm like, all right, well, the night's not over yet. So we go get in the ambulance. They come right away. They, they throw this, you know, neck brace on me because they got to take all the precautions about uh, just in case there's any kind of spinal injury. Chris is with me. You know, that's, he's a good tour manager. He's, he stuck with me to the end. We head to the trauma hospital. And this is when it gets a little weird. Follow me on this. The most embarrassing moment of my life. In the ambulance, the guy says, okay, just to kind of walk you through what's going to happen. We're going to take you out. We're going to wheel you into the trauma hospital. There's going to be a team of doctors. They're already prepped. They, they already know exactly what's happening. They're going to ask a bunch of questions. They're going to put you on a table. They're going to do a couple of tests, blah, blah, blah. Got it. Keep in mind, morphine is still saving my life right now. If I was completely sober, this would be really bad. But they wheel me out, just like he said. There's the doctors. They're firing off these questions. You know, what's your name? What were you doing? How did this happen? Uh, what What's today's date? They're, they're, they're testing for any kind of brain injury or spinal injury. And then they start cutting my clothes off. Boxers and everything. Completely naked. Which, thank God I didn't have boots and jeans on, right? So there I am, naked as the day I was born into this world, with about 20 doctors, male and female. They're flipping me over, they're sticking things in places, and trying to figure out if I have more injuries, and and trying to figure out how much air has escaped into my chest cavity. To finally 
they get me stable and they put a sheet over me and they wheel me out into the hall. And as they wheel me out to the hall, I hear a group of doctors in the other room listening to If the Boot Fits on the computer. So there's these people that just saw me completely naked. Now they're listening to my current single. Now that's something, huh? So by now it's morning. Chris is still with me. Brittany, my amazing East Coast radio rep, is with me. They stayed with me all night to make sure I was okay. Amber, of course, at home, my wife, is is kind of freaking out because we've given her a little bit of information here and there, and, and she's wishing she could be there. Um, she's actually scrambling. Maybe she's going to get on a flight and come see me in New Jersey. About uh, About noon the next day, five doctors come into my room, and they said, we've got you completely stable, and we think it's okay to send you home. And I was like, well, home is Texas. And they said, oh, well, no, you, you can't fly. And I said, you're damn right I'm going to fly. <laughs> so, so they checked me out. They weren't happy about it, but they checked me out. And I went straight to the airport and bought a flight to Austin, Texas. Worst flight of my life, no doubt. Um, pain medicine was the only thing that really got me through it. But uh, I made it home. Reluctantly, I canceled 10 shows. It was the month of December, so it was our slowest month of the year already. Luckily, we're going into the holidays. But what happened during this recovery was amazing to me. I learned so much during the six weeks I was on that couch about diet, about cold water therapy. So many things that I could talk about in a whole other podcast. And I healed. Stronger than I was before, I believe that. And now I'll do anything to prevent me from ever missing a show again. Thank y'all for listening to episode four. It happens like that. Out of the blue sky, lost in her blue eyes. Yeah, when it happens like that, nothing to lose turns right into you. Doing all you can do just to keep her around till the moon goes down and you're back at your house. One thing leads to another, you loving each other. When looking, you never look back. It happens like that. This podcast is brought to you by Yee Yee Energy. Come find us on tour, grangersmith.com forward slash tour. See you down the road.